I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian and writer Dane Baptiste, and my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello. Ofe on the decks, and a very special mix of guests pose the questions that need to be asked, where we are talking everything from pop culture to subculture to rape culture. I said it, Howard. I, I know. Said it. You we can say what you like, everything. mate. You can say what you like. We question everything. I mean, yeah. you can question that. It's fine to question rape culture. You it's can... not much of a question. It's bad. Well, it's bad, but, you, know, but you, can, kind of you can debate what, 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 what constitutes what, it. What as constitutes well. it is, is, is it. the thing. So that's so, fine. Yeah. No one can get upset about that. That's what we call controversial on this uh, <laughs> podcast. That's a really weird segue to introduce my next guest, an amazing Scottish comedian and writer. She's performed on your screens on shows such as Live at the Apollo, Roast Battle, Live at the BBC, 8 out of 10 cats, the How- Russell Howard Hour, and star- starred in Vice Comedy Series, Brexit Stage Left. She's written for The Guardian as well as numerous Radio 4 shows, and we're all looking forward to seeing her new BBC show, Don't Ask Fern, where she offers anti-agony aunt advice. So, needless to say, it gives me great pleasure to introduce a long-time professional friend, uh, Fern Berede. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Fern. <laughs> Mini clap. Hi, Fern. Can we get an extra clap because Fern has got made several gains to those of you who are au uh, fait with the, uh, uh, the the jargon used on mm. social media. Fern is cut and made gains. <laughs> Been banging, I'm not banging cut, weights. Not cut enough. Yeah, I want to do fast. That's what all gym people say. They all say they're not cut enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting cut. Well, because my body fat's twenty four percent just right. now, so I've only just got in. Even the fact that fit. you even yeah. know yeah. stuff like that, this is why. Like, like <laughs> I don't know. I'll be like, Good I'm a, my gut's big. Um, uh, yeah, but it's, is it pain? Do you get in pain at the gym? Do you, cause you, some no. people, I don't think I've ever got in pain at the gym when I went. Um, no, well, I've been trying to learn to do pull-ups because it takes women ages to just do one and that hurts a bit. But I like it. Um, uh, it's more just trying to fight uh, appetite because I really love food. Right. And like in the summer, I got I got de- I really lost weight for because I done Apollo, mm-hmm. and then as soon as that finished, I went to you know Padella. It's a pasta place near here. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I went there and I got like two dinners for myself on my own, and I just I ate like, like a bitch, man. It was I like amazing. It. I like it. Um, I like food. I love pasta. I love carbs. Fuck you, Doctor Atkins. What the fuck do you know anyway? Where is he nowadays? Yeah, well, remember him? He uh, died, but he didn't die of Atkins. Are you sure? He didn't or die. Did he die of his own diet? Or did he exactly? He had a heart attack. I don't like eating meat, so it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to do that. And you don't like it? Nah. Right. I kind of cut back on it. On on meat. Well, I didn't want to say I was becoming a vegetarian because it annoys me when other comedians tell everyone a lot. Yeah. Mm. So I just sort of stopped eating it like 
a couple of years ago and I've had like a few slip at uh, Australia like oh, being God, in yeah. Chinatown Jesus Christ oh yeah it's very hard to avoid the food there's slip ups then the thing is you have to remember also uh, your lifestyle doesn't really uh, accommodate being able to eat at regular intervals and have like three square yeah. meals a day and also not a lot of healthy places open when you finish gigging Mm. And yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Fern is a headliner, so mm. should be done. I know, because I've started headlining stuff and I always think, why am I headlining this? Because <laughs> so you're good and you I've fucking earn it. You're funny, you're funny. Syndrome. I remember and seeing it. you on something uh, called Sean Walsh's... Oh, um, yeah, that was good. What was that, Sean Walsh's... Comedy Spectacular. Yeah. 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 Uh, His yeah. girlfriend was on that. Was that was the first... That was a, yeah, I remember. His girlfriend was on that. <laughs> right. um, she was, but she was good. That was a show at uh, Disney, was, Disney yeah. Rascal. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like Rebecca Humphreys a lot. Yeah. Got a lot of time for we'll her. Get her on the show. Yeah, her and Joanna Chikonska, they did a show together because jo- Joanna, her friend, was the keyboardist. Um, oh, yeah. And they played together. And like, Yeah, mm. we all did it together. It was like the first TV thing we did. Do you yeah, remember? It was. In the caves. Yeah. I, you know what? That was crazy because like, that was the first time I'd done something. My friend was living on the Cherry Orchard Estate in Charlton mm. and, we, and I was not making a lot of money from comedy. And I think it was maybe like a year before I did my first show in Edinburgh. And I remember sitting there with him when it came out, and that's the first time I've seen my a Twitter go. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, and that's the first time I'd ever seen like you know <laughs> activity on my social media. I remember that show well because it was one of the first times I ever saw you, Fern, and oh, you were cool. and you were you were really really good. <laughs> and, 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 and and I also remember that particularly because uh, and he, I'm sure he'll come on the, the podcast at some point Dane is, yeah. uh, is John Kearns who, yes. who won the best newcomer that year yeah. came with, with that and I have to say you know I like obsessively love his comedy like, I've watched all his shows like <laughs> he's lovely as but, well. and he's an amazing bloke watching him on telly is such a different experience and it made me think about how translating what you do from 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 the the, the clubs and, and and the venues to the television is a complicated thing and I remember thinking that you're gonna not struggle to do oh that. thanks and it, I remember clearly John's performance that night because he did this the 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 audience were all they were all like people from my area just outside Edinburgh yeah. they kind of kind of plebs right yeah um and, and john did a really they were heckling john and he did a really funny put down and then they just cut it out yeah, yeah and i was like how can you cut out the, the best yeah. bit of the set but a, yes it was a litmus test for all of us to work out out mm. how some of the magic works in a uh, in tv and some of it is just sleight of hand yeah. and some of it is Basically. just fucking an illusion <laughs> Oh, yeah. we, always, we always have a lot of love for John Kearns on his podcast mm. as well. John, so. we're going to have you on at some yeah, point. We'll have, we'll have him on. Um, oh. <laughs> but it, it's, it's time for a question because that's what this show is about. It's about questioning everything. It is about questioning everything. And uh, as our esteemed guest, uh, who we're very grateful for coming down, Fern, we, of course, offer you the floor to uh, the first question. So, Dane, bearing in mind that I'm not smoking weed at the moment because I have to write a new show and I'm not drinking because I have to get cut. How do you cheer yourself up? <laughs> How do you cheer yourself up without alcohol and drugs? Yeah. It's, it's, it, it can be very tough, especially in comedy, because there's very little opportunity for, you know, the normal ways of, uh, I guess, feeling happy as a social species, because you don't get to socialise. Because I guess what most people do is that whenever they're going through their shit, it's like the weekend's coming out, I hang out with my friends and take my mind off it. We work the weekends. So mm. you don't really have the same opportunities to socialise that most people have. Um I mean, it's an interesting question yeah. because I, 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 on, on one level, uh, what you, you, those things that you're talking about, so it's like, what's your drink of choice? Uh, I'm, I like red wine. Oh, it's like a glass a of red wine. Yeah. And then, I don't know, we, whatever weed you like to so smoke. So sophisticated. I feel terrible now. Mm. I, um, what would your drink of choice be then? If of choice, I'd say uh, maybe like a Hennessy and Coke. Mm. Everyone of choice. Lovely. I, I want to say, I would want to say like Remy Martin or something like that or like mm. a cognac on the rocks, but 
I'll be, I'm not that sophisticated. I'm lying. I got a but, sweet tooth. But the idea that, that, that those <laughs> drinks are um, your path to happiness is, is, is formed out no, of habit, formed out of happiness um, habit, right? It's just a ha- habitual thing. Uh, well, I very rarely drink anymore. Right. Um, so not for any interesting reason. It's just like weight loss again. So I'm fashionable to say that now. Like I wish I loved being fat and that I was. <laughs> Thought it was a great thing. No, we had a discussion. We call it, well, I mean, you, know, you know yourself, and you know there are some people that if they feel good about that, that's completely up yeah, to them. Yeah, I do but, think yeah. that's, and I also think like I don't think fat people should be attacked or made to feel no. bad or anything. I, I don't. I definitely. I, I do not believe in fat shaming at all, and I think that any homogenized idea of the ideal form. And really, when we talk about fat, we're talking about it's mostly women that are stigmatised for being fat. Yeah. So, mm. you know, I, I, I don't believe in that. I just fat shame myself. But, yeah, me like, too. And so greed, 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 greed shaming is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think greed, greed shaming or gluttony shaming, that I don't take umbrage with. I feel like, so when, you know, terms like fat cats exist, and I think that's fine because obviously that refers to their excess. That's why these guys yeah. have gout and all these bulbous mm. nerves and shit because they're having more than their fair share. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of terminology. But yeah, stigmatising somebody for being fat and by that, you know, saying that they're going to be lazy or food obsessed is bullshit, you know. Mm. And it's not necessarily healthy because obviously we know the other end of the spectrum of this body dysmorphia. If you're super skinny, you can also have health implications. But yeah, I, I'm like yourself. I kind of self-flagellate in the mirror and be like, look how fat you are, you fat piece of shit. Mm. I, I made um I, there was a fat picture of me on stage last week and I made it my screensaver. Oh my god! Uh, there was a what? There was a what? Uh, there was a someone took a picture of me on stage last week and I was really fat in it, so I made it my screensaver. Oh, wow. So any time I go to eat, I would be like, oh, look what you've done. I mean, fun. I've, that has never been the commentary that mm. I've associated you with if people were like can you describe Fern Brady in three words <laughs> but it would not be fat <laughs> svelte husky curvaceous <laughs> even though they play the correct stuff it would be none of that shit well, I would never say that but I do if you, if you are getting very healthy I think it's a good idea yeah, well, it's a, <laughs> that's not bad but the, 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 to make yourself happy because you're saying you, what's, how do you have like you know, how do you keep well, yourself happy? Well, actually, Dan's probably the worst person to ask because you said something when we were in Australia. I was like, it just like struck, stuck with me and then I was so depressed after. Oh no, what did I say? We, we did this gig in Australia. It was like a big gala show. Oh, yeah, I remember where, yeah. Um, it's in uh, North Sydney, right? In Sydney, yeah. yeah. You play in these, like, massive theatres. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and it's... And Ends up on YouTube, right? The clips. Oh, no, that's the Melbourne ones. Right, right, right. And I was saying to Dane, oh, my boyfriend came over to Australia for two weeks, but we just fell out the whole time because oh. I was just... Every day off that I was supposed to have, I had booked a TV programme instead. So, um, and didn't like hang about with them right. enough. And Dane was just like, that's that's what this game is. You gotta sacrifice yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah, that's it. And yes. I just felt, I was just like, oh no. <laughs> that's one, of so the, true. one of the things I was gonna yeah. say could, you know, bring you happiness is. Um, is the loved person in your life, you know, that partner. Yeah, that makes, that makes you happy. Having having a significant other can make you very happy. But then, yeah. you know, they identify there are seven different types of love and stuff. So, mm. Really? Well, yeah, that's what they say. I mean, I, can, I, remember, I can't remember all of them. I think it's, it's the Eros is obviously between, like, you and a partner. And then Platos, obviously, is love of a friend. And there's, like, familiar ones. And, there's, and it can also be, like, love of your livelihood and stuff like mm. that as well, which I think is very healthy to have 
just not have this one definition of love just being romantic because having love for what you do, these things can provide fulfillment because some of the problem in terms of being happy, especially it's a good question, is that uh, you are a respons- arguably in some ways are responsible for your own happiness. You mm. can't necessarily control what happens to you in your life, but how you react to it. And that's not me saying that people should get over any kind of historical traumas and stuff. But by that same token, it's definitely, I think, a practice of personal welfare, of trying to find stuff that makes you happy, makes you feel fulfilled, that isn't dependent on anything external. Because mm. in the instances where, like, for example, you can't be with your boyfriend, like, you can still have this self-perpetuating sense of fulfillment, whether it's from the work you're doing, what it's going to lead to, or even just, you know, pursuing, like, a better body aesthetic of yourself, just so that, you know, you have something that can... It's yours. It's totally yours. It's yours. It's self-sufficient. And I think yeah. also by that token of happiness, it means that by you having this internally, you don't seek it from other people. And also by the same token, if you feel empty, you don't project onto other people. Because mm. obviously hurt people hurt people, is the saying. So, like, yeah. when you don't feel good inside, then you're going to start taking out on other people. Whereas if you have this sense of you can have this self-perpetuating sense of, of self-happiness and mm. self-care. Then you're not i got to get back in and meditating because that's the only yeah, thing that fixes help. it. Because here's a scary question is if you put all your um, happiness, if you put all your importance on your work and mm-hmm. how, which I did for ages, that yeah, was like course, my yeah, main yeah. thing of happiness, then what if one day you I don't know some you had an accident or something you and couldn't it, and do it, it can anymore. definitely happen it's happened to then some you have of our, a massive you know, breakdown yeah you have a massive breakdown because you know uh, and I hope I'm not really like trying to uh, sensationalise this but you know Katarina Vrana um, what so Katarina, Katarina Vrana is a comedian that I, met, I knew from very early on in my career um, and she used to run a gig with Barry Ferns called Rudy's Revenge and hmm. uh, she's of Greek descent and she is like the most wonderful wonderful person just one of the m- nicest people I've ever met and uh, she uh, had an appendicitis, an appendix burst, and she got sepsis. Mm. So her blood became very poisoned. She became very, very sick. Uh, in a coma, uh, she's thankfully come out of the coma, um, but is obviously dealing with a number of health problems which affect her mobility and her ability to look after herself. So yeah. you're very right. And in the same way, another person I know is Romina uh, Puma, who, um, again, was another comic I got with, and she uh, was dealing with a uh, degenerative disease, a muscular disease, and so, it's, again, it's impaired, impaired her mobility. And another close friend of mine, Marlon Davis. I was going to say Marlon. So Marlon had an accident where he was in a coma after a car accident. Mm. And he's obviously had to spend a lot of his time just regaining his motor functions and stuff. Yeah. So it's a really important point because, obviously, you say, like, I put everything to my work because I love it. And I think you do put everything into work because, obviously, you realise the sacrifices that took you to this point and you don't want to take them for granted. But it's very important to remember that you do this because you love it. Because mm. I think a lot of time we think, oh, we do because we love it and I want to, but you get to a point where you get into this routine of uh, obligation where you don't want to turn stuff down because you remember when you didn't oh, have stuff. So you don't yeah. turn stuff down. And I think it's obviously very good because it's a very big part of the professionalism, but always make sure you're doing this because it makes you happy. Because like you said, I gave those examples because, you know, something can happen, which we don't necessarily think about in comedy, yeah. where you might not be able to do this when you do have a fucking shit gig or you do, you're do, you dealing with dickheads all the fucking time. Like for me, so when it, what makes me happy is like, yeah, I think it's just reflection. I, like I said, meditation is important and just reflection on the fact that like, I definitely remember four years ago, I was so poor, I had to, my sister was a single mother paying her own mortgage and I had to go to her to borrow 20 pounds just to cut my hair. And for me, it's like, I will never forget that because it's like, I, I, I remember I was saying to, I was saying to my friend yesterday, like, I remember like, 
I, the sensation of opening your wallet and knowing what's in that wallet is all you have to your name. Mm. Yeah. And, and for me, that is insane. So, so for me, it's like, I, I, I say the way to do it is just to take, just the small things. Like mm. even yeah. just being able to like be in Australia and be able to like eat a nice meal. Oh, Australia was like, it just felt mad that you could yeah. get that from comedy. Yeah, yeah. Because hmm. I kept thinking, because uh, I didn't go on, because I was like skint and stuff, I didn't go on holiday for years and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, me either, yeah. But yeah. I, I wasn't bothered because I was like, oh, probably if comedy works out, you get to travel anyway. Yeah, do, yeah. And it's better traveling for work. Yeah. But the last year, when you were reading out all those the things I'd done, I was like, this is like it's happened to someone else because the last you year has been so busy. It definitely happened to you, Fern, that's yeah, yeah. for sure. Exactly. But it, no, but it feels like you just so, get so, so busy. Yeah, you get so yeah. busy. You get so, and that's the thing. So it, it's really the way of remaining happy is just, yeah, to take that time of self-care and just to reflect on what you've achieved every now and again. Mm. Trust me, you cannot buy happiness, innit? You definitely mm. cannot buy it. And... Uh, it's like, and like I said, and even your own personal happiness and being able to rationalise hmm. all the adversity you deal with because like even someone else in your life can make you very happy. But sometimes people break up and some people have their own obligations and happiness they have to pursue, which may not include you. And then even worse, what we have to consider is that even if you, someone does love you unconditionally, just mortality alone, they're not going to be around forever. I see this all and the time. Exactly. I'm always like, <laughs> all love ends. All love ends. But at the same time, they but, could die. But you know, but you they know will what, die. It yeah. will die, but it doesn't not, die. Hopefully not that no, soon. No, no, but... no, whether not soon or not, because what we're talking about, right, is that when you talk about something like love, yeah, this is a power, yeah, which we know is able to like transcend form and body and stuff. Mm. Like you can conjure someone's image in your head and the fact that that can have an effect on your body mm. is testament to how powerful love is. Hmm. So by that token, if we understand that love is an energy exchange between people, laws of physics determine that love as an energy cannot be created or destroyed. Hmm. So rather than you having this vanity where you're like, I had love, now I've lost it, it's not fair. (laughs) Having the opportunity as a human being to have this energy and wield it, that's what you should appreciate, which is why people say it's better to have loved and lost. Because just the fact that you get to experience that. Hmm. If we're talking about love and everyone has their own individual experiences of it, you cannot experience something which is, of such, which is so rewarding hmm. without there being a risk. You can't. Like, everyone knows what it's like to be in love. You remember your first love and how amazing it is. We can't, just, you can't have that without knowing that, you know... The risk, the there's a risk. There's a risk. And that's why, there's another reason why, you know, all's fair in love and war. Because yeah. the pursuit of both is exactly the same. Yeah. There are atrocities. Innocent people are hurt. Like, you know, deplorable acts are committed. There are some wins, but it's an ongoing battle. And essentially, like, you, like I said... In a way, we're kind of both, we're all losing at a slow rate because, mm. you know, you're not going to have that love at some point. But by the same token, you know, love is something that transcends age and it transcends the physical. Like someone might die, but you can still think about them and still remember how much you love them. Mm. So maybe focus on that instead of the stuff that, the stuff you can touch doesn't really matter yeah. because, you know. So there you go. There's your answer. Yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it, no, but it is yeah. a fucking serious, a seriously good answer. I mean, I, I think that yeah. what, what, one of the things that, 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 uh, navigates towards to me is that sense of um uh of of, of guilt-free pleasure as well like yeah. i think i think that you know in, you know you kind of love something in your life like uh it might be what, what's your favorite tv show Fern? six feet under right nice cheerful uh <laughs> but it, like it actually is life it, is, it really is yeah, life yeah, yeah. yeah but a, um, yeah but it's an interesting example of like i i, I think i watch my wife who's a busy woman and and we'll watch an episode of something and i can see that she's thinking in her head oh god i should be doing that thing mm. and actually if she took the 22 minutes of whatever we're watching yeah. just really 
took in that 22 minutes and just and you really enjoy that 22 minutes I think that yeah. is such a valuable commodity and it applies to what you're saying about the love you share with people like sometimes uh, I'll get the train in with my wife to London yeah. and um I'll get off the train first and hold her hand as she gets off the train. Ah. And it's just as a, it's just a little moment. Little moment. So, you know, we're both knackered in the morning or whatever. Makes little a moment of just love and just love. We kind of laugh at it because obviously she's not so old that she needs help off the train. But it, these little but moments it's, 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 identify it's, it's, those yes. things. It's, it's, very, it's these very little things. It's, it's even like, uh, I mean, even sending an emoji to somebody every now and again or, mm. you know, send them a song that reminds you of them. Like these yeah. very small things, like they can have more of an effect. Like even me, like not to sound like a cliche dick like in previous relationships like I've gotten flowers for people and they're like I've never gotten flowers before and I'm like are you fucking serious yeah something you've been doing something wrong my, and my dad told me to do that and I never I've never seen my dad hold my mother's hand right. other than on a hospital bed in my life yeah and fucking they don't even stay in the same room so mm. when they're in the house but then by the same token that's what I mean by the same token like these are people that have been married for 40 years so to expect them to be necessarily lovey-dovey is a very mm. big ask because you know, what love they may have mm. is very different to like um, what I might imagine that very, uh, which is a much very earlier stage of a relationship. And also like, you know, and this is going to be a weird way to end it, but it's like, you know, if you're in a relationship for over 40 years, I mean, you fucked every which way you can possibly fuck. <laughs> right? So, yeah, there's you know, got to be more. Everywhere you there's fuck. Gotta so there's be got, more. There, there has to be more other than that act of love. Well, you know, they're, they're bonded like animals. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Because uh, I've been going out with the same person for six years. Yeah, and it's even, been a while for you, know? Yeah, yeah. And even then, it's like, uh, we, have, we have a bond. Yeah, you have a bond, um, yeah. You, 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 you definitely mm. have a bond. That's what I mean. That bond, it transcends physical and mm. even you know the f- sexual congress and stuff and yeah. so yeah it's, it's an important thing and and i guess it's why people chase it so much so hopefully that's answered your question fan uh, otherwise yeah. get, a, get a pet is the, my recommendation because yeah. oh pets, i want a dog so much dog, animals will definitely that's the simplest See? answer well, say, what fern's saying is that she's got a lot of love to give yeah and i think the more you continue to nurture that <laughs> the way yeah the more you, let's make it a furnace and the more you continue to nurture that kind of self-love it's going to be great for every experience because you're able to not only project that to people yeah. and then which they will reciprocate because mm. who's going to turn it back on love but irrespective of what happens you're always able, you're always able to self-sustain and put it this way I never knew how much love I had to give until uh, I met my wife's cat and uh, <laughs> and, and, and the feelings I have for that cat are, are, are beyond what I knew <laughs> I mean I would say healthy Howard but they're, they're getting a bit unhealthy actually yeah, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> a little bit worried because she, she she smelled a bit this morning and I thought to myself oh you haven't pissed yourself if she pissed herself something went wrong with her but I don't think she has uh, that's a true story <laughs> um, but that, I like that question that's just a casual question some people come on with very very complicated but ideas you know what, but it's Arguably, one of them, it's one of the more complex ones because yeah, this yeah. is what everyone is trying to work the fuck out. That's is it. how yeah. can I be happy? This is this is mm. the, I'd say the endeavor of all human life is yeah, the yeah. pursuit of happiness. So it's a very important question. My question is different. Mm-hmm. It's partly based on Fern being here today, uh, and, and and I'm just going to double check something. Then I remember you doing something about you being, being mistaken for a, a, a man. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that was a bit for you there was a yeah. whole sh- show did you do an Edinburgh show no the Edinburgh party? show was about not being invited to the female comedians brunch right but then <laughs> yeah rude. did they not just rude no. in Edinburgh yeah that's fucked up yeah that's not good but then I done the show uh, a woman came up to me after the show and she was like because it was all about how I don't feel like a normal girl not mm. in a trans way just not quite right yeah and then this woman came up after a show and she was like your show is just a description of a woman with asperger's 
and you should read this book called Asperger's. So I did, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I started getting, like, wow. therapy for it, and uh, I was like, oh. I mean, I wasn't that surprised. I thought I had it before. Right. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. But the, the whole thing of, you know, it's a really great bit. Though. I remember you doing stuff about being oh, mistaken it's, for trans. It's tricky to... I, I would never do it now because you're just like... People will be like, oh, fucking... Well, this is my question, you yeah. see. Because it, it was really... And Dame will probably remember the bit that I'm talking about from Fern. It was, it was, I saw a cow. I tried to... I fixed it to be like... Because I got mistaken as trans at a gay night in Edinburgh... Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind of a compliment though androgyny is a sign of universal beauty but yeah, well, that is, this <laughs> is it this is it and, and the thing that I was going to ask as a question is, is you know it's a major <laughs> it's a major talking point be, you know the trans thing it's a huge controversy right mm-hmm. and I my question is why is people being trans such a controversy well a lot of people Probably my least favourite places to gig, like Newcastle and that. They'd be very married to um, the idea of f- fixed gender, you know. There's people like binary, really... binary gender terms, right, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of people. Can I just say, one One of the short answers is that some guys are just afraid that they're going to find someone attractive and reach down and find a dick, and they'd be like, well, that means I'm gay. <laughs> that's one of the reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. potentially that's, is. That's one yeah, of the reasons. potentially it, is. It, when, when guys, some guys are worried about trans is that they're worried that they're going to find a woman attractive and find out that she has a penis, and then it means that they're gay. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons. But it's, a, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I, I, was, I was looking up... Uh, statistics before look I did some research listeners uh, 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 six in this in this country 600,000 people identify as as trans it's kind of that's 1% so of the that's pop tiny. that's 1, 1% of the population that because it's 60 60 million Seven, 70 million maybe so, yeah. even, even then it's still, yeah. it's still a small amount it's a very small percentage yeah. and, and, and I thought about just how many you know we could go out now we won't uh, and <laughs> wander the streets of London and ask people for their opinion and they'll give such Bigger, there'll, be, there'll, there'll be definite opinions about oh, it, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. You won't get wishy-washy, like, oh, I don't really mind, mate. Like, you know, you won't, you'll get some fucking real opinions. And I just kind of, why? Why does it actually get to people I, that I, much? I, I Dane's to, thing's one thing. I need, to, I need to say one thing, is that uh, when you say trans, are you, is that an abbreviation of transgender? Yes. Or it's because... That's what I'm assuming. That's what I'm seeing. Gender and transsexual. Yes. Or are these terms interchangeable? Because I don't want to make that mistake. Okay. We will make an amendment point here, a disclaimer that we are talking about the uh, people who identify as, 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 I think, transsexual. Transsexual, yeah. Or or transgender, as well as. Yeah. Are we including uh, gender fluid? Or yeah, I mean, I, I suppose we're looking at that area, and I know it's difficult if, if you if you're dealing with some of these issues and listening to this to to hear people not talk or, as eloquently or, in detail or even, about it. Uh, gender queer is another thing. Yeah. Um. So I'm not. Are we using, I'm not using an umbrella term for that, but we're not making it clear to listeners. We're not yeah, making yeah. an umbrella term, but we're just no. But we are talking around these yeah. different. Uh, but you say, why do people are people so opinionated about it? Well, yeah, I, I just yeah. found it like because, like I say, Ferns think, and it's a good while ago you made that. Yeah. That, like four. Is that years a Pete Burns joke? Did no, I didn't have a Pete Burns joke. Did you? Yes, you did. I'm I sure did I not. You had a, maybe someone made it for you. I don't know. I no, feel like you made it. You, you made a Pete joke. I mean, but anyway, the bit of point. I fucking hope you did. I didn't. <laughs> I've never had a Pete Burns joke. <laughs> you don't need one either. Yeah. So, but, um, <laughs> he died. Yeah. We, miss, we miss it. Yeah. RIP Pete Burns. Uh, but the, the, the thing about it is that... Um, <laughs> uh, Fern, I love you. You know that, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just sleeping now from the fucking exercise. I don't know why people say exercise makes you feel great. It doesn't. Right. No, not all day. Not all day. All day. But um, but the, 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 is that that would be piece of material? Like you say, it might have uh, not be as popular right now. Is that the kind of Deep oh, I wouldn't do it because I'd get in my head about saying I got mistaken for a man, and people would be like, "What's what's wrong with that?" Uh, and, and which is Ace Ventura. So the, the Ace, the film Ace Ventura, mm-hmm. is now oh, really God. unacceptable. Our friends, yeah, friends, when, friends has very, a, very oh early on. The um, Ace Ventura thing was considered to be very transphobic. Yeah. Well, and it was the was the film called with Dustin Hoffman in? Oh, I know the one. Mrs. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. His doubtfire no. is with Robin Williams. He's also Williams. now... There's one with Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin yeah. Hoffman to- was in the one... Um, Tootsie. Tootsie. Yeah, Tootsie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then... Is Mrs. Doubtfire in? Is that being in drag or is that well, supposed it, to be? Being... I suppose. Oh, yeah. I guess interesting. That's probably not. But mm. I think it. I think it plays on certain issues yeah, yeah. that might be considered. I don't, I don't definitely the uh, thing with. Um, yeah, Ace Ventura came mm. across as very, very transphobic. But also, in Friends, Chandler um, cuts off his dad because uh, oh, yeah, he transitioned. transitioned yeah, yeah. And that's like, and like loads of trans people, their family do disown them. Mm. So yeah. I watched it again recently, and Chandler like goes to ask his dad. At a drag show, if he'll come to his wedding, I was like, oh, it's so mm. tragic. Yeah. But I, I kind of look at it, I, I would say it's a very different issue to, to gay rights, but obviously people would, would there, there are some links uh, to I mean, it. Again, even then it becomes very thorny because well, there, is, there is a uh, movement amongst, I guess the LGB community. Well, there's, there's been, lesbians have been told they're transphobic because they won't have sex with like a trans woman mm. who has a dick. Yeah, and that's hmm. fucked. It is fucked. But I mean, I'm kind of yeah. nervous to see any like. Don't be, no, don't be nervous because I feel like I I I feel and uh, I I can say that my interactions with people from the trans community is arguably limited. Mm. But I feel like we're not having the discussion as long as you're not make being accusatory or presumptive. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because mm. to exclude. You know, people from the narrative of we're discussing any issue of humanity, I think is a lot more offensive. Yeah. Because I even I do a bit about like uh, I did a bit of saying like approaching a girl and she's saying I used to be a man, mm. and you know the, the crowd might laugh. But I do make it clear then carry out by saying it's not about transphobia at all. Like and then get in, and use it to get into it because obviously mm. I'm playing on most people's kind of preconceptions about people from the trans community anyway. So yeah. I, I think it's always good to have the discussion because you're always, so like, I don't think, don't be afraid at all, because if someone wants to correct you, you can be like, okay, I stand corrected, now I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Because essentially, you know, even a lot of this nomenclature is very new to people now anyway. So we are still learning and 
like I said, I think it's important to be open and receptive to learning rather mm. than just being accused or being scared to say anything. Well, that's one of the things, isn't it? It's, it's so, it, now it's so socially acceptable to be, to be gay. And, and, and it's mm. weird to think that there was a time where, you know, genuinely that was like an yeah. abnormality. Yeah. And I think it, it, it is so controversial because so many people still look at the trans situation as, a, as, a, as an abnormality. Yeah. And the reality there is that what the fuck's it got to do with you anyway? Comple- like, exactly. Uh, it, don't, it don't affect your life at fucking all. And then, and then the thing is as well is that like I personally feel this, this shit is linked. So then for me it's like we can't fucking be surprised if you've had generations of children who've been victims of sexual abuse so even when they're even forming their own sexual image that's already been fucking manipulated and been distorted mm. by their traumatic experiences so if you've made a young man his whole fucking life been in such of abuse in the, and made him appear like a woman then how the fuck are we surprised that now mm. years later you've got people that uh, yeah. are now expressing that as a part of sexuality because sexuality is both a function of nature and nurture there's some aspects of your sexuality you're born with and some that's going to be influenced by your environment yeah. by the same token if you're a kid now you're a millennial and you've grown up all these years of one year people are telling you that you should be waxed the next year everyone wants you to have a fucking beard mm. the next year <laughs> women are supposed to be curvaceous. The next year, you're supposed to be thin. Yeah. So maybe it's an act of rebellion that you don't want to subscribe to any of these heteronormative ideas or archetypes because everyone keeps fucking lying to you. So if you don't adhere to that, well, you're less of a person. Yeah. So maybe you do want to be like, oh, maybe I'm non-binary then because I don't want to have a fucking beard and I don't want to have a hairless body and having fucking D-cup tits at the same time. So being whoever the fuck you want. And it also, must be a challenge though. That's the thing. I that's... mean, but, but, but it is weird. If you look at like the kind of people that are on Love Island where... All the men are really hyper masculine and I mean. groomed, but, but and the women are. But then you're hyper masculine, but then you're hairless. Yeah. So it's like you know, do you know what I mean? It's like oh, it's like a woman where like you're supposed to be like super feminine, but then you're not supposed to have any fucking hips. But those extremes where they're all they all look alike is that's strange. It's, it's, it's very strange, and it's, and that, and and that it's a big and it's, exactly, and it's a big problem. Is that it's this way that we've both homogenized our standard of beauty as well as commodified it. Hmm. So you've made it for so many years that like, if you want to be beautiful, then your eyelashes have to be this long and your hair, your skin has to be of this tone. So then how you've been sewing this for so long without any kind of narrative behind mm. it or any context, then there may be, it might be very possible that people's Im- self-image where their sexuality is concerned has become distorted, especially mm. because we are so beholden to our images of like high fashion and haute couture, which are always andro- androgynous in themselves anyway. Mm. That's why I'm saying that like... That word feels like such a key word here, right? That used to be, because it used to be the thing, because then how could... Because a woman can't have fucking E-cup breasts and then have a size six... It, it doesn't normally happen. So you can't have one or the other, but this has been an image that's been suggested to us for so very long. Mm. Then how can we be surprised that now people and, are beginning to express that in yeah. society? I think androgyny is just a fascinating thing, though, because it, it, what one person doesn't find beautiful, yeah. someone else will. But it's a big part, it's been a big part of human culture in like, I always say this, like when... you like Grace Jones and David Bowie. Early. Um, well, there's, there's, yeah, there's well, like, like, I was, I was looking at... The Cure. Like Boy George, Boy George is a really good example. Prince. Yeah. yeah. That's Prince. who had a joke about looking yeah. like Boy that George. That was, sorry, ah. there you go, sorry. Yeah. But Boy, oh my God, that was close. I knew it was somebody <laughs> from the 80s. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but Boy George, I mean, genuinely, because I don't know if you know the story about uh, culture club and the fact I've that I've read his autobiography so you know about how it, their break happened because uh, Cat, uh, was it not Cat Stevens Shaking Stevens was going to be on top of the pops and pulled out at the last minute and 
they called around to try and find someone to replace him and they got this band called Cold Club who were really up for it and they went on and played Do You, uh, Do you Really Want to Hurt Me on top of the Pops, their yeah. big break. And within the next couple of years, they were like number one in 16 countries or whatever it is. But mm. what happened that night when Boy George turned up on top of the Pops instead of Shaking Stevens, the press just had a field day. And, mm. it, and it's interesting how, how, like you say, our agenda for what is... Because I think, I think the beauty element of the trans issue and why it's so controversial comes back to beauty and partly why we this is beautiful and that's not and how how they define it and how the press set an agenda mm. is part of the issues we're all facing one of the strangest things is how people think that trans stuff is uh new or that it's like a recent thing historically because mm. exactly. i read a lot of stuff at uni about it and like there used to be loads of cases not loads but like significant number of cases where um, in the American Civil War, was it that? It was some war, mm. they would like get dead soldiers and when they took their uniforms off, it was women that had their hmm. breasts bound or uh, there well, was... The word Amazon means that. Amazon, uh, Amazon yeah. warriors used to burn off one of their breasts because they were archers. Mm. So they'd, take up, they'd burn off one breast so they could mm. put their, um, their belt around them with their arrows. Oh my God. It's crazy. And, and, then, and then there was like a couple of cases where uh, this... Uh, this is like in the olden days. I can't specify the era. This, this woman's husband died, and then when they were doing the, when they were getting him ready for the funeral, they were like, uh, "Your husband was a was a, a woman," hmm. and she was like, "No, he wasn't. We've been married for thirty years. Uh, we consummated the marriage, but like it was in the dark and stuff." Mm. And and she swore blind. Um, hmm. She she had no clue. There's been so many. Oh, so cases many issues. Like Jerry Springer built a career on this shit. Like the re the reveal. But God, yeah, mm. Jerry Springer. But then, remember, for a long time, like you know, <laughs> the term which is not used anymore is an archaic one. But prior to the term intersex, it used to be hermaphrodite. Yeah, 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 people yeah, born yeah. with like expression of what would be Jamie Lee Curtis would be the person that comes yeah, yeah. up there. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's the other. There's also the the, uh, the countess who's like like royalty in Jamaica and stuff. Right, I've only saw her on first dates recently, and it was, it was very, something very similar. But I mean, I don't know why people care so much, especially when people complain about shit like overpopulation and allocation of resources and stuff. And then you have this, you know, hmm. an instance whereby like you know. Some people, maybe this is the way we've kind of evolved yeah. to kind of deal with it. But at the same time, I'm saying like, you know, I'm not referring to transgender as necessarily a mutation, but... No, no, but it, know, it's, it's, it's... Culturally, it's the way we're dealing with stuff. And I, I, I just think, you know, we are supposed to believe so much in evolution. Hmm. And the idea is that we have so much focus on, you know, the mind and psychology. Maybe we're transcending the physical. And I, was, and I also say to people, when you actually think about it, your gender is a very temporary state to be in mm. because prior to puberty, like there's not real big differences between the genders because both male and female gonads will be in your stomach until you go through puberty and your balls drop. Then and as time goes on, like obviously women begin to go through the menopause and then you have a more of a hyper secretion of testosterone. So mm. women might get facial hair, but by the same token, men will become infertile if they live long enough and then they did fight at fucking breasts and stuff anyway. Yeah. So... Is yeah, when we get old, old ladies get more fluid. manly. Um, um, yeah. yeah, so we're all, yeah. we all become gender fluid anyway as yeah, time goes yeah. on. So this is my point. Right, really. Fucking hell, that's very astute. Well, and you I know, this... see it, Fern. People don't. People sleep <laughs> on me, Fern. <laughs> but the, uh, this question, I, I wanted to ask for one particular reason, which is just that it feels like we're encouraged to skirt around yeah. talking about this. Like, and, yeah. and, and for, for, for yeah, me, yeah. this podcast, we represent 
everyone. We want to represent everyone and, and people who are going through that thing. And if anyone from that community listens to this, should hopefully see allies. Yeah. And even if we've said things that aren't perfectly linguistically the right prefix of everything isn't right, don't you look at us as the enemy yeah. in any way. Yeah. Yeah. No, we are no on your side. There's no malice behind it. But more yeah, yeah. importantly, what we should say is that when we, what we are trying to uh, arrive at, I would endeavour, is that you're not referred to as a community because you mm. are a part of our community as people as a whole. Amen. So, yeah. So that was my question. It's a good question. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I've been thinking about it a lot and I thought about it a lot and I thought about it. Do you remember Fern? Cause I was say, Fern I, uh, Fern's comedy is brilliant. You guys, whoever listened so to this show. Fern, I'm so happy that I got the thing wrong as Boy George because in my head I'm like, have I been thinking that Fern? No, like, no. Pete, you, Pete Burns. I'm I was like, trying to think who it was. Uh, yeah, my yeah. God. Yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> but anyway, it's time for the last question, so which is Dane's question. question. Yeah. And uh, again, it's not, I don't think it shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, mm. So for listeners who aren't aware of Fern Brady's work, you need to get involved. Because <laughs> um, one of the things I like about you, Fern, other than uh, your comedy and intellect, is uh, the fact that you are very candid about your uh, life before uh, mm. uh-huh. comedy, which has been, yeah, it's a, I would say it's been a very colourful life. That's why I just like sitting in the house now. Yeah, which is cool, and that's absolutely cool, man. And uh, yeah, I, I think for watching me, six feet under. This is it, exactly. Oh, I yeah, <laughs> chilling, chilling, and smoking, and, and yeah. or, or, or hitting the gym. Yeah. So even yeah, even another. Yeah, I an, do. I don't. Story. I don't do very much now because uh, when I was in my early twenties, I was like, oh god, this is like living in a film or something. Well, it's it's just, awful. Well, what, it's interesting you say that because <laughs> my question is, what would the Fern Brady biopic be called? Ooh. Oh no, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what it should be called. I like that. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like you. Oh no, I I need to prepare answers for things like this. I mean, the biopic just so it's because listeners will be meeting you for the first time. Then I mean, the, the stories that I've heard from you about your your Ute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a rough timeline. When I was 16, my parents put me in a mental unit, and I did my hires in there, which are like your A levels, uh, and then um, left the mental unit. I had a little skinhead girlfriend called Rita Rooney while I was in there. Hmm. Left the mental unit, went to got kicked out of the house, went to live with um, like some loser. They went to live with like an artist and a drug dealer called Jared that sold all his possessions and became a Buddhist. And then <laughs> when I broke up with him, I became a stripper for like hmm. two and a half years while I was at uni. And uh, tough gig. Yeah, I was terrible at it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've never seen her. No, I just... I, 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 you're better stripping so accurate. I, I, I wanted to work on it, man, because, uh, yeah, because I'm aware of uh, Ferns. She's a stripper, and obviously I've experienced strippers, not in a <laughs> to uh, partner mm. I'm with, um, but... I, I find it fascinating. And yeah. I, and I, and I was, these edge strippers are like comedians. Yeah, because it's, it's very similar to comedians because right. I think I went to a stag do in Bournemouth and I think ah. one of the strippers I saw at the club, I saw in the coach station. Right. So I'm assuming that she wasn't based in Bournemouth and had gone there to perform the equivalent of a gig. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just think there's just, there's just a lot of similarities whereby, you know, I think there's they're very much stigmatised because there's low barriers to entry to get involved in stripping and also a lot, a lot of heckles involved and, uh, you know, you were real taking a risk of bearing yourself, either figuratively or, you know, literally on stage to a bunch of fucking strangers all the time. Mm. And people will try and ply you with alcohol 
And so there's a lot, there are a lot of parallels. Yes, but people always would laugh at me in the strip club and then wolf whistle me on stage in comedy. <laughs> so it was, That's a real paradox. It was the That's wrong cool. way around. Really, the wrong That's, way I mean, I, I, I like the idea because, I mean, for me, and I'm not saying for you, but there are a lot, there's some events in your life where you think, ah, oh, one day I've got to tell this story to people. Yeah. So oh, me, are, there, are there like standout parts of that journey where you're like, oh man? Well, I I've made it. I've done a pilot script of that. Oh, cool. yeah. so the, that's all I can write pilots about. Um, they were so no, I moaned and more because we we both did the same season of. Oh, they were both round of like a oh, comedy feed here, yeah, Regis. Mm. Yeah, I was like, but see now I'm like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was so mm. entitled. And I'd never written a script before for my first pilot, and they were so patient with me. Hmm. But yeah, but at the same time, like I, I, I get what you're, what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, it's your name attached, so. But also, they they wouldn't let it be set in a mental unit, and see now, it's so, so zeitgeisty. There you go. Look how much in vogue hmm. the idea of mental health oh is. Oh so my let, god! Ahead of your time, so that's why I say stick to your guns. I think the challenge for the, any producer, I can't speak for those guys, but I speak for myself, is is to know when to chime in and to know when to not. Yeah, that's the biggest. That's the biggest challenge. Uh, you've got to try and sharp yeah. at times. Is, but when you're doing work under the auspices of a of a corporation, is that unfortunately you have the need that people need to justify their jobs as well. Mm. And where they'll do that is they'll need to imprint on your ideas because they need to be able to feedback and be like, "Well, this is why." As opposed to like when you are in an independent uh, mm. uh, kind of situation or independent company. Yeah, maybe. Whereby everyone is, I guess, more driven by creativity. Because mm. when you think about it, with a corporation, the overheads remain the same, whether or not they contribute. Yeah. That's interesting. I've only ever worked for the independents, and if I ever worked for the BBC or Channel 4 or anyone, I might change my view. But to me, the, the greatest challenge is still, can you great make a show that people really like and therefore keeps getting made? Yeah, that but, kind of, that's kind of the dream mm. of comedy, but right? I think by the same token, you have to also have that kind of you know, awareness to be like, well, I don't know this journey, I don't know this story, this person mm. has had a first-hand account of that. So it's more of a question of, I think yeah. someone should be telling you how to do what you want as opposed to what to do. Mm. Interesting. They were, they've been really cool this time, though. They were totally like, we know you didn't like the first pilot. And mm. uh, really hands off uh, for for a while. Has it been made? Is it all in the can? Or we'll is find it... out this month. I oh, think. fingers Wait. crossed. I'm just nervous. It's going to be like, have you seen Showgirls? Yeah. Like, <laughs> got a point. Oh, the, uh, the, like the what was her name from uh, Saved by the Bell? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah, so yeah. you've been just watching that, that, right? Oh, I've seen Showgirls so many times. Right, really? It's very disappointing. Barbie's got yeah. well, uh, a Paul to... Verhoeven. You know, great director. <laughs> uh, well. He was. He was. You're talking Total Recall, I mean, he was Robocop. A, that like film some, was maybe not his best work. No, no, no. But he, he's a great director yeah, in history. Genius, because it's so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, that's his genius. It's like we were all wondering what would happen if you made a porn film with the porn dialogue without the, without. I've seen it so many times. I had flatworming parties based around it. <laughs> but um, it's a good one. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, man. I, I really wanted her career she, to do so much. She better. actually had to go back to uni. After mm. that, yeah, because it ruined her career, and yeah. then she was on uh, the American version of Strictly Dancing yeah. with the Stars, hmm. and I felt really sorry for her because she was like, "Oh, you know, dance was so important to me, and I loved it." And then I did a film that just ruined that, and she started uh, crying. No, oh, and no. she, she was like, "I finally found dance joyful again." That's sad as well because, and then she did Any Given Sunday, and they made her play an escort in that as well. Oh, really that's a wee shame. Yeah, I was really, I was really rooting for her. But the going back to the question, which is, what would your biopic be called? Oh, I don't know. 
Oh, okay. I'm not good at giving things titles at all. She's experienced it, which is good. Yeah. Not to focus too much on labels. Yeah. I wonder why I'd call mine. Uh, <laughs> Moan Alone. Moan Alone is good. I'm trying to think of pun-based movie titles. Because I think I... Yeah, I mean, mine would definitely... Well, 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 I suppose yours would be quite like a wild story. Also, I would say Between Two Ferns by the name is Taken. Ah, that's yeah. That would have been good. That would have been good. Although I feel like you working alongside Zach Galifianakis would be a really good mm. pairing. Really? Yeah. I saw a documentary about an old lady that lived in a laundrette in LA mm-hmm. and Zach Galifianakis took her, he bought her an apartment. Yeah. Have you seen it? It's mental. Oh, she's supporting him and stuff. Uh, no, it's, I think she actually, yeah, because I think she allowed him to live with her when he was first starting out or something. Or Well, I don't know. No, he. I think he just became friends with her. Yeah, yeah. And then he felt hmm. bad that she was living in a laundrette and her back was sore and stuff, so mm. he bought her an apartment and oh, furniture wow. and everything. What a nice guy. Yeah. It's called... I think it's called Queen Mimi. Yeah, mm. I, I, I've yeah, I definitely heard the story. It's yeah. cool. It's like my, my aunt once back home in Grenada. She, I think she almost died and, this, and a lady saved her from dying. I think she was maybe drowning or something. Mm. So, like, to this day, whenever she goes there, she, like, goes and gives this woman money. Wow. So That's she great. Saved her life. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. But I think uh, you, you will definitely, if there is a biopic about your life, it'll be a good one. Maybe a good one. Yeah, Maybe yeah. It might have to be a box set, Fern. Yeah, yeah. A, tri- a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it might have to be a little trilogy. Yeah, yeah. What would you call yours, Dane? Have you thought about it? No. I used to read, like, Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. And then I kind of read up about Henry Hill. Mm. And I'm kind of like, because it says based on a true story, but I'm like, hey, he, don't, he, really, he got through this whole life as a gangster without killing anyone. I find yeah. it very hard to believe. Yeah, I'm not going to buy you know, that. Because if you think about it, like, you remember that film, like the only times his acts of violence are either he's assisting his friends in killing another mafiosi, or it's like a guy sexually assaults his wife and he goes mm. and beats him up, which comes across as being very noble. But in fact, you're a part of a murderous crime syndicate, which you in turn snitch on. Yeah. I hated The Sopranos for that reason. <laughs> really? Yeah, I really don't like um, anything about mafia and Like kind of glorifying it and, and stuff? I hate it, like, really hate it. I think I, that started happening to me, and I, I, and I used to love mafia films, and then, I mean, the thing is, the biggest thing for me was the, in The Godfather when they say you can give the blacks heroin because they're animals anyway, and I was like, yeah, this is not to be revered, really, is it? No. No, so, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I, I, I mean, I used to enjoy them, and I think I, I still enjoy them, and I do enjoy my films a lot, and I think the aspect of which I enjoyed was the fact that, you know, these are people that are prosperous, existing outside the fringes of normal society, and right. it comes across as quite rebellious and against the status quo, which I definitely empathise with as a black man. But mm. then, yeah, the fact that these people don't have a lot of respect for me, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> not really to be idolised, really. Yeah. But it was very. I think The Sopranos was very realistic in terms of showing how many drawbacks there are to being a member of organised crime and how and how it was yeah. declining in line with like you know the change in terrorist laws and mm. just changes in the economy anyway. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know loads of but like I stuck with it and watched it all the way through recently. Because um, so many people love it, but I just got, I just get really down and get angry at Tony all the time. And yeah. but you I don't mean, want yeah, that stressing yourself. But, but there you go. By that same token, I think to me that's testament to how well James Gandolfini kind of yeah. played that role. Because rest in peace. He was a lovely man. He was a lovely man, but he, and as the lead protagonist, like definitely rest in peace. But you know, Tony at some points was like had a lot sense of leadership, but you know, essentially was somebody that was had was not of sound body and mind. As you mm. see, as you see in the program, yeah, so yeah. yeah, I like it for it was very realistic as opposed to showing the glamorous side of uh, 
of organised crime. Yeah. But well, we I don't know. Like, we don't know the name of your biopic, Fern, but we'd watch it. I feel like we interrupted as well because Fern just got to the stripping part, which is like you know only half. Oh, just film. to basically radicalised me uh, and made me really uh, see how much men and women's interactions are transactional mm -hmm. outside strip clubs mm -hmm. and everyone's like like just today actually and this fucked me off Jamila Jamil who has made a career out of being a conventionally attractive model and TV presenter is now a feminist and that's cool I mean the stuff she says criticising sponsored Instagram posts and for mm. laxative tea. That's all fair enough. But she was applauding Little Mix because they all posed naked to, as part of an anti-bullying yeah, campaign. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And they had, like, slag painted on their bodies or whatever. And it was, like, no airbrushing, no Photoshop. Yeah, just full hair and makeup and all the fillers she's had. And, and, uh, and, and, like, and, I'm sure, and I'm very sure that, like, a, a wax strip has seen their, their nether regions between that shoot as well. <laughs> Yeah, but the, you know the I mean? thing is, like, the, the, no nude photo shoot is going to be empowering. Exactly. There's no men doing empowering nude photo mm. shoots. And it's just mad how much, because I was tweeting about it, and then a woman tweeted, and she was like, anytime someone says something's empowering, I always ask, are the people in power doing it? Or is it just being so bad? <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I mean, and... However we, I mean, however you want to paint it, they're still called fucking Little Mix. And we know what the connotations of that are and what their demographic <laughs> is. And I'm not sure if they'd be that aware of the context of them appearing naked for an anti-bullying campaign. I'm not sure if millionaires with, who have access to personal trainers and, you know, the best nutrition, standing naked being like, this will show bullies. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure how that kind of helps. Not sure that's really. going to fly, right? Yeah, because, mm. like, you all look like people that would never be bullied. So I'm not yeah. sure how that kind of helps. But... Um, there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, stuff like that bothers me. <laughs> what well, good end to the show. Just stuff like that just bothers me. That Mate, could, I love a good moan. That, could be, that could be the, the name, stuff like that bothers me. That could be the name of your biopic. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Um, th it's, that, a working, it's a working title. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll keep brainstorming. In fact, we can get and people also, to send remember, you remember, I want to finish this point because, like, you're still living your life and we're still, mm. we're still on the journey. So we don't even have to start yeah, putting together yeah. a draft yet. Because <laughs> I get pissed off personally when I see, like, reality star autobiographies. Mm. It's reality, in it? So we're seeing what they're doing anyway. Yeah. So why do they need to make a fucking book? Yeah. If you're like, oh, I'm a reality star, that means we're getting an insight into your life on a daily anyway. So why have you written a book? Mm. Also, yeah. where is the conflict here? So I'm famous for no reason, which is fine. We're past the point. So where is the conflict in this book? So then the producer came and told me I'd have to just be myself. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. I found really out work, Charlotte Crosby's a millionaire and I felt there's like a long way to go in yeah. comedy. There is a long way to go in yeah. comedy. There are a lot of these guys are millionaires, but this is what I'm trying to say to you. It's like, but then what, what are we going to talk about in terms of her ascension into becoming so successful? Because it's like, it's not like, you know, then th this time came when I had to, like, use this part of my talent to get through this. Mm. You're just doing nothing. But then, this, is, yeah. this is the point, is that maybe to some people, the easier that journey looks, the more immediate the aspiration is. Because if you see somebody become a millionaire from not really doing anything, mm. for, the, for the laity and, and the plebs, as we've said, that is a lot more appealing than knowing. Yeah. In the same way that, like, with the Kardashians, it's like, I just feel one of the issues is that they get paid to be girly girls. Yeah. And if you, and the idea of you suggesting to a girl that's grown up under this patriarchal system, you can become a millionaire by just wearing makeup. No one's going to say no to that. No, of course. So, yeah, it's crazy. 
Thanks for coming on the show, Fern. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank you so much, Fern. And it's congratulations. And oh. I hope it has cheered you up. You've Good. cheered us all up with your presence. Um, just for us <laughs> to say, where can people continue to be happy and enjoy more Fern Brady? Where's What's coming up? Um, I'm live at the Apollos on January the 3rd. Oh, nice. And so there's that dumb BBC Scotland thing as well. <laughs> oh, good promo for Thursday show. Uh, and then I'm on tour next year. Oh. What's the name of your tour? Powered in Chaos. There you go. That's a great name. That's a great name for a fucking autobiography too. Yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. Yeah, I thought you would like that. Go and watch Fern. She's funny. Go watch Fern. Check out Fern's stuff as well. And uh, Fern is available on all your good socials as well. And yeah, make a note uh, on your um, planner to check out Live at the Apollo on, you say, the third or the 3rd of January. On the 3rd of January. So nice. you have time. And if this podcast has come out after the 3rd of January, then go back in time and look at it on the iPad. Yes. <laughs> cool. In the meantime, thank you so much for coming, Phil. Thanks. For- thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at DaneBaptweets. Our guest was Fern Brady. You can follow Fern on Twitter, at Fern Brady. The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me, at the Howard Cohen. The show was mixed, the music was by Afei Saki. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. <laughs>